Welcome to the only podcast that will get you to unfuck your marketing with Siobhan. It's Marketing Unfucked. Today, we will speak all things data privacy, cookie banners, and customer experience with Stefan Ahmed. Let's do this. How can we unfuck our marketing? Jeez, there are so many things, but what, one of them is maybe coming back to the basics of understanding your customers and what they want, what they truly desire, and not pushing it down their throats and trying all kinds of crazy tactics to force them to do things that the company wouldn't want to do in the first place. What are we pushing down their throats? Well, I think the way, especially digital marketing, of course, has evolved, it's the, the concept is, is interesting of automation and personalization and so on, but it's not so much the fact that it's personalized. It's the fact that it should be at the right time, the right place, the right tone. And everything. So coming back to really like a, a discussion, a trust relationship, instead of thinking that automation will be the magic recipe that solves everything. Okay, so then there are some people out there who would say that automation, because it personalizes your experience, let's say online, is actually you're doing exactly that. You are building that trust and having that dialogue. So where are you really? Because uh, <laughs> if you want to unfuck marketing, when you get an email that says, hey, hello, and it, it states your name, if they get it right. Yeah. Is it really personalized? Is it really building trust? It, it's, we know it's just a automation behind it that's is spitting out the same message to everyone. There is, there is nothing personalized about that. Of course, uh, it, so there's nothing personalized about the email. I get you. I cannot stand those emails. Uh, but I do, for example, appreciate if I go on a website and they know that it's useless to show me certain things because I never buy them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And again, if they get it right, because automation, regardless of all the amount of data you have, if the system the machine learning, super smart AI, whatever we call it, big data to train the or If it gets it wrong, usually it's almost impossible to fix it. It's almost like if Amazon think and, and everybody, everyone went through that, you go on Amazon and you purchase a kid book for your niece. And then Amazon thinks that oh, everything you want is kids books. Nothing else. How do you fix that with Amazon? How do you tell Amazon, oh no, that was one exception. That was one time that I purchased that. That's fine. I don't want to build a library of, of kids' books. It's actually impossible to do it, or, or at least very difficult. And it's typically the case with, with almost every site you go to is that you don't have that ability to say, if the trust is there, you would be willing to give more information about your taste, your preference and so on, but it's actually typically very hard to do. So since we clearly can't retrain some of these systems that are assuming we are what they think we are, which is clearly mm -hmm. frustrating to us as a user, then how can we approach it if we're, let's say, new in the game? How do we build that trust with our customers so that we get that data and that information to be able to help them? in a beneficial I've been thinking a lot about the way the web, the internet evolved over the years because I, I was lucky to have access to the internet 
very early on, like in 1987, when the web didn't exist, it was just the internet. You had, you know, fun transferring news groups and chats. That was about it. And then eventually it, it turned into a commercial platform and the brands took control of the data about us. If we could go back and fix that, wouldn't it be amazing if instead of this approach, the consumer would always remain in control of their own data. And I would decide with which brands I want to share my information in. And probably I would be willing to share a lot more information with the brands that I trust. But now what happens, and that's what we hear these days because of the cookie apocalypse. And we, we work in marketing, so we, we, we like to use terms that are, ah, it's the apocalypse, the third party cookies won't be there anymore. It's the end. But the funny thing is I've been using Brave for several months. Yeah. And it, it's already blocking third party cookies. And guess what? The, the web still works. I'm still alive. I can still do everything I want, even if third party cookies are blocked by you sure you're not missing out on something? Well, if I'm missing on something, I don't know what it is, so I'm fine. <laughs> but but it's really uh it's really that trust relationship that we, we need to go back to in terms of marketing. It is really something that is more transparent. So if we could go back and fix the problems we have today, the first thing to do would be a probably certainly transparency. Be honest about what you do with the data you collect for marketing. The transparency, control, your customers are going to thank you for that. And I think in the near future, like it's a matter of months, maybe a year, maybe two years, but we're going to see more brands actually uh, putting that as a, a strong brand value to be totally transparent and give user control of, about the data they, they have. But then how can we do that? Because I do see the trend of brands wanting to do that. Mm -hmm. I think I also am seeing a lot of kind of confusion, meaning how do we do this? There are regulations as GDPR all over the world who are trying to force us to do this. Mm -hmm. But we see two things. People implement it and don't know what they're implementing or people are trying to get around it and track you anyway. The regulation isn't working. In my opinion, the rules might not be working. They could be working for some, but I don't think it's really working in benefit of the customer. So then what can we do? How can we gain a customer's trust? I'm going to a website. I don't know if I trust you or not. What makes me want to give you my data? Yeah, exactly. You don't know at that point if you trust them, but if you, so at first you're not willing to give your data, but if you go back to it and if you appreciate their service or their product or or the way they treat you, maybe the next time you're going to be willing to do it. It's really like when you go to the website and you want to subscribe to the newsletter because, okay, you appreciate the brand and you want to get some offers. So you're willing, you're telling that market to me, advertise to me, I'm willing to receive your communication. But then you go to subscribe to the newsletter and, it, and they ask all kinds of crazy questions like your gender, your age, your preference and so on. Can we? Just give me the freaking email and ask for other information later on when I will trust you more. We hear these days, oh, with, as I was mentioning with the cookie apocalypse and all those things, the message we hear from agencies and experts and so on is like, oh, you need to go back. You need to build your first party data. But the problem with that is what we're going to see is 
all of the brands are going to try to build their own first party data and end up with the wrong picture about the customers because like I will have a profile on brand X and then a different profile on brand A and brand B and brand C. So everyone is going to try to build a profile of what they think I am, who they think I am. But what if I could instead, I could be in control. So, so I referring to zero party data. So if I was in control of my data. I would be willing to say to brand A or B or C, here's a certain degree, a certain amount of information about me that I'm willing to keep. And the data that I'm not willing anymore, I will just pull the plug and you won't know about me anymore. So imagine the quality of the marketing data who would have if people were willingly giving it to you because they trust you and, and they like your brand and they want to, they want to receive your marketing offers and so on. The quality of the data would be much, much better than trying to build all the time trying to build your own first party data because again, when you, you go to a website and there's that white paper or whatever it is, and then they ask for a bunch of information. Do you really give your real information? No, I, I never do. I rarely do. Yeah, exactly. So what's the value of this data? It's, it's crap. <laughs> and then you build your marketing strategies built on Joe living in Alabama somewhere where it's just, it happens to be the first choice in the drug comics. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, so we need to rethink the paradigm of how we do digital marketing and how we collect data and how we build. I think a lot of it is that I know in the past years I've been in digital marketing, there's always been this push for a lot of data. I know that when I talk to clients, I tell them it doesn't matter how many data points you have, if they're not useful, what can you do with it? Or if I can't create, if I can't analyze anything to understand what action we need to take, what can I do with this? So that conversation is already happening. So yes, then this moving to first party data and everyone freaking out over what's <laughs> happening. That's, I think, part of the process. But then you're saying we're putting in the raw information. So it's better for us to get real data, valuable data, even at a later time so that mm -hmm. we can market to that specific person correctly. I agree with that concept. I'm just having a hard time understanding how we can make it happen. I, I just recently had a discussion on LinkedIn and it also became apparent that a lot of digital marketers, for example, are getting frustrated and just hitting okay. So for example, we have GDPR cookie banners. I reject them if I don't yeah. want the site to be mm -hmm. there. But I was shocked to hear that a lot of my colleagues and my peers are saying, we just want to get on with it. So did, it clearly didn't serve the purpose because no one's thinking yeah. about it anymore. They're just clicking. So then how can we address that? Yeah, and that's really that's we're we're really heading into some kind of a nightmare where that's what happened when you when an industry is not able to regulate itself, then the lawyers get in and they miss everything. <laughs> because it, those cookie banners are the worst thing ever. Like I think the only other thing that was worse than that is the blink uh, HTML tag that you could, you know, have your text blink on the page. Yeah. Uh, but cookie banners are just so bad in terms of user experience, in, in terms of also of the false trust that it brings. Because even if you say no, they will still, most in most cases, they will still track you because they decided, the, the brand or the, the site owner decided that they are entitled 
to trust to to track you because oh that's fine it's going to be anonymous we have a legal right to do it and so on but but this is you just ask the user do you want to be trapped in fact you don't want you don't ask do you want to be trapped is do you accept my cookies who cares about cookies like mm. that's not the point the point is that the cookies the point is do you accept to be tracked so that what's the value proposition then so that we can offer you a better experience, so that we can market to you, so that we can do, I don't know what. So it's really those cookie batters are the worst thing because they don't talk about, most of the time, they don't talk about the value proposition. What, what, what do you offer in return for my data? It's do you think just, that's oh, the first direction? Do you think that's the first step into the, into a right direction to well, maybe because be we don't have... transparent on a cookie banner? Yeah, yeah, not certainly that would be a good step because we, right now, we don't have a choice. We have to ask permission and it, it should be more transparent than, than it is right now. But your point about your colleagues and the people I know in my network, when I speak at conferences, sometimes like one of the conferences, there was maybe a thousand people in the room and I asked who's using an ad blocker and about 7% of the people raised their hand. That is, it's shocking because why is it that we're in marketing and we use ad blockers and I use Braves and you reject cookies? And we should be the ones embracing that, oh, take it all. Here's my data, have fun with it. And, and then you look at the general population and, and we estimate, depending on the source, that there's about 30% of the people who are using ad blockers and stuff. So it, it's the top. Complete opposite. So, seven percent of us are blocking ads and cookies and stuff. Like, there's right there, there's something wrong. Yeah. And then why is that? I think that the the first reason for that is we understand how it works. We don't want to be the victims of what we try to do to others, which is weird. Of course, but what the, did we do that's so bad with the data? I think that's something important to understand. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And people rarely ask, what is it that I'm not doing right with the data that I'm collecting? And again, I think it's really a matter of, do the, if the user wants to receive your marketing and so on, that's great. You, there's absolutely no problem. If they want to give you their information, but what, for example, go on Facebook. And of course, Facebook is going to tell you, oh yeah, we care about privacy. Google will do this thing. We care about privacy. We give you control. Okay. Yeah. Try to go find first, find where you can reach the, all the information they know. So you, you're going to end up going in 20 different pages and mm. uh, clear a bunch of information. And as soon as you've done that, continue visit like two or three pages or continue to navigate on Facebook for just a few minutes and go back to it. And you will see that it's rebuilding, already rebuilding the profile. That's not really control. So the problem is that what, as marketers, what we do with the data sometimes is we, of course, we don't enter, we don't wake up in the morning and say, say, okay, I'm going to convert and do evil. That's not how it works. Right? Oftentimes it, we think it's perfectly fine. And the, the issue comes later on. Like for example, Cambridge Analytica is, is a pretty good example of that. You know, they work pretty clever. At the time, it wasn't illegal. They played it with the system. They, they had smart data scientists creating great models to target the right people. That, it's marketing perfection. Yeah. 
So what, what is the real problem in that case? The, the, I think the real problem in that case is that it turned into propaganda and everything is fine until people realize that they are the target of that propaganda. Otherwise you don't know, you, you don't suspect that what is biased and is manipulating you. So where's the limit between doing super smart marketing campaign, pushing your message and targeting the right people versus manipulation, propaganda, and consequences that now had effect on, on uh, democracy and you know, things like that, which is like you do that. It's just, I think it's like a hard line to draw, right? Because like you said, no one has the intention or most people don't have the intention to do anything bad. And Cambridge Analytica, I'm sure that everyone working there thought this was a really cool idea they had and they were being very smart about it. And then it did turn bad. So how can you control that? Is it about security control? How do you hold back from that going out? Of I think it, it, one of the things I realized, and that's why I'm interested more into ethics than privacy per se or the legal aspect of it. And the, the thing with, uh, when you take an ethical approach to it, there are differences depending on the culture, depending on the values, depending on your personal values and the values of whichever company you work for. Mm -hmm. So that it's a different approach. And the other thing also is when you take a legal approach to it, basically what you're trying to do is uh, mitigate risks for the business. You don't really care about the user. What you care about is how can I mitigate my risk as a business? Mm -hmm. Well, if you take an ethical approach to it, you always ask, what do my users want? If I was in their shoes. Would they care about it? Would they like it? Would they want it? And so on. So in the case of Cambridge, playing a nice game, and you see that all the time on Facebook, is still you know, little games and stuff like that, that really are just collecting data behind the scene. I think people don't really understand about the consequences of what is your pet name and in which school did you go when you were 10 years old? And the first three letters that you will see in this picture are means whatever. The only goal behind it, first Facebook bit it, it's on that. But maybe not always, but sometimes this data is, is then used in ways that we don't even suspect. Maybe we don't suspect now and we will find out in the future the consequence of those things. So ultimately, that I would consider that a bad example of using data, but intentionally, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I would say that's the wrong side of thing. So if I, if I had a marketing intern coming to me and saying, what is like one big thing that I should be paying attention to? Would you agree that this is all about thinking about what your user wants and what's best for your user instead of what's you? Yeah, absolutely. It's really Put yourselves in the shoes of your users. And that's such a basic concept of marketing is to, is empathy and, and caring about the users instead of trying to find what can I do to push the envelope a little bit further and influence the users so much that they will make decisions that are not in their best interest. We saw the thing about Instagram, the impact on, on kids. TikTok, something came out about TikTok, how it's, it has such a huge impact. And TikTok is the craze right now. Oh, we need to do some marketing on TikTok here. It's, it's, I think it's pretty frustrating because there, there can be so many good things that we can do with the data we have and with marketing in general. 
but a large proportion of that, too much of it is ending up doing things that are in the long run that are harmful. Thank you, Stefan. And thank you for listening to Marketing Unfucked. Check out the show notes for more on our guest and resources mentioned in today's episode. See you in two weeks.